How long does the fight on the moon last? No. And that flop big time. Hey guys, this is Max of Max and Jason Watch a Movie. Uh, this is episode 7.5 of Max and Jason Watch a Movie. When we were recording the final two installments of the Donnerverse, we thought we could do it all in one show, but it just got too long, so we decided to break them up. And in this episode, we'll be covering Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Uh, I'm going to go now. Uh, Jason and I are in mid-conversation. Hope you enjoy the show. Bye-bye. Superman 4 suffers for a whole host of other reasons, and uh, and we're going to get into them. Uh, or we can just say it's a terrible movie. Bye. Uh, no, there are things to say. There are things to say. I think I saw some things similar that you saw. Yeah. So Superman 4, it is the story of Superman interjecting his, himself into the arms race. That's a great idea. It's a very Superman DC idea. And it's, and it's actually, and this had never really occurred to me, it's actually very much in keeping with the progression of this character, because this is something he struggled with uh, the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, oh, uh, I guess to, to to lay down some production notes first, because oh, actually, yeah, well, I mean, there are some important changes. Uh, well, the salt kinds are- Salt kinds are gone. Interesting, that was an interesting, I don't mean to step on your toes here, that was a very interesting credit, because the salt kinds do have a, a credit. By yeah. the way, guys, Another another story in this film is how bad the credits continue to get. the The credit animation. I you know I we're watching these films to critique them and discuss them, so I'm paying a little bit more attention uh, to this kind of thing than I usually do. But the the credit animation and the title scroll, uh, it is so bad. This is some of the worst. Uh, this is like college project bad yeah college yeah. film project this is actually high school film project bad i think but but the the salt i'm sorry this but the salt kinds have a little uh initiate initiated by the salt kinds what does the 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 credit for the salt kinds say i think it says uh, a series initiated by alexander Salkind. which is uh, crazy that they got that credit in a in this production but go on sorry yeah well because so basically what happened was uh after superman 3 which actually was not a flop it it um it did it did about half the business of Superman two okay probably below Blockbuster but it made its money back I mean I mean it did okay yeah um but that convinced the Salt Kinds to go into a different direction mm -hmm. then they really rushed into production Supergirl S Supergirl is a Salt Kind film okay and uh, that was uh, 1984 and that flopped big time. I do remember that as a kid. I saw it in the theaters, and I probably liked it, but I do remember it flopping. Oh, it seventeen million. Ugh. Like it, yeah, really that was bad. Gross? Yeah, ouch. Um, just uh, despite having the same budget as Superman three. So after that, the Salkinds decided that they needed to get the hell out, and so they they abandoned. Um, oh, and actually, Warner Brothers abandoned. I didn't know this. Warner Brothers abandoned them during the making of Supergirl. Oh well, like 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 they pulled out when they were looking at like the dailies and stuff. Like this is going nowhere fast. You're you're on your you're on your own, and so. They kind of kind of released it on their own. Uh, I think TriStar or whatever. Yeah. So they 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 sold their interest in Superman to the Canon Group, 
Yep. And uh, the, the producer's names, uh, which are hard to pronounce, uh, Globum or I, I can't remember what the names are actually right now, but. Sidebar. The producers Jason was trying to think of were Menahem Golan and Yoram Globus, and they were the helmers of the Canon group. So into the sidebar. They're uh, the producers of record. But the Canon group, they had a lot of films in production that they were interested in making. And so they wanted uh, they wanted to, to get a lot of money for those productions. And so they they kind of grabbed onto the Superman series as a way to make a kind of a quick and dirty film yep. that would get that would get their names out there so that they could get money for other projects. Uh, Christopher Reeve, uh, bless his heart, he actually had a really serious idea. It was his idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to make a film about about nuclear about the nuclear arms race. Well, he really gets story good. credit rights. I mean, he gets story yeah. credit mention on on the on yeah. the on the credits. Yeah. Well, th- th- that's the main reason he, he agreed to do this film because I don't. I think he was kind of done with Superman because he well, was supposed to, he was supposed to be in Supergirl and he he bowed out. Well, that's not surprising. Superman three came out in eighty three and Superman. There's a kind of a lull because Superman four is eighty seven. You know? Yeah. Just the, the year before we went to high school. Yeah, you know? yeah. But if you look at the first two films, the first three films, I mean, they're like, bam, bam, bam. 78, 80, 83. I mean, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty quick turnaround for films. Yeah. To wait till 87, I mean. Yeah. And, well, but again, uh, different production company. Yep. And uh, the screenwriter, I can't remember his name right now, but he he had done nothing else that I... Uh, uh, that that I shows. Could... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, this script was what was written. Actually, I think it was two guys that wrote the, that wrote the screenplay. Mm-hmm. They so it, it's almost a story. The Cannon Group. They started off with you know we're going to do this right. They asked Richard Donner to come mm-hmm. in. Richard Donner said no. So then they asked Richard Lester. Richard Lester said no. So then they found the name you were looking for was Sidney J. Fury. Sidney J. Fury, yes. The screenwriters, by the way, the screenplay was by Lawrence Connor and Mark Rosenthal. Yeah. And for this crime of a movie, they they should have had their film licenses revoked. Uh, well, I mean, they coaxed Gene Hackman back, which is a miracle. I don't understand that, which we'll get to. Yeah, I don't uh, understand why he and, came back for this film. And Margot Kidder returns. Uh, Jackie Cooper returns, looking much older. He does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Mark McClure, who actually Mark McClure is the only actor in in all five of the Donnerverse because he's in Supergirl. Okay. Oh. And he returns. Yeah, he, he returns as Jimmy Olsen. And uh, what's his uh, name again? Mark McClure. Mark McClure. Um, if you if listeners get a chance, go to IMDb and look up Mark McClure. For some reason, his his press photo is vastly more dashing than it than it really needs to be. He looks he looks very uh, it's very stylish, and he's he's trying to be very suave in the picture and. And which is funny because I, he hasn't done that much to, do, to, to think that that picture was going to sell him in, in on sell, sell him for parts, I don't think. But he may as well always appear in a bow tie for the rest of his life because that's just that's just who he's going to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, even even in Back to the Future, it's like, oh, it's Jimmy Olsen. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I just whenever I see him, I just think Jimmy Olsen. But the screenplay, the, the story and the screenplay were both very ambitious, probably more ambitious than Superman 3. Uh, but what ended up happening, and, and I, I, I think Sidney J. Fury did want to make a good film. But <laughs> I think that he did. I think that he did. 
Well, okay. I think they all did, actually. I, I, I <laughs> laugh, but I, I think they all did want to make a good film. Yeah, because, because actually, I don't find a lot of the things we talked about in Superman 3, about a director who just really wasn't interested in the story. Yeah. I think Sidney J. Fury was interested in this story. But this is an example where the, the, the canon group, the two guys you mentioned, yeah. um, they just kept cutting the budget. They just kept cutting, cutting, well, that cutting, show, cutting. That shows so much. Uh, I believe the the uh, the total cost of the film was like less than twenty million dollars. Like oh, it, wow. it was, and 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 there are a lot of effects shots in this movie, a lot. Yeah, and they all look really, really, really bad. They, <laughs> they do. <laughs> um, well, you and I have talked about this film over the years. When I saw it in 1987, and I was excited because you know I was surprised that wow. Didn't think we would get another one of these. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. We all were. Yeah, and um, and I remember in the theater at the time I was pretty easy to please. Yeah, and I remember walking out of the theater very disturbed that I didn't really like it. <laughs> no, I didn't like it that much either. I um, I didn't notice in '87. I probably didn't notice everything that I notice now, but. I, I walked out thinking thinking about the special effects, I think. It was one of the things that was yeah. on my mind. Yeah. Uh, my cousin Chuck and I uh, saw it together. And uh, we didn't, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't one of those movies that captivated you after seeing it. You didn't spend a lot of time talking about it. But we, I remember being, that feeling that you had, underwhelmed and disappointed and, and worried about the world. Um, yeah. Because how did this happen? So I, I didn't like it at the time. And I, I've not watched it many times over the years. Probably every 10 years or so, I decide, well, you know, maybe there's something, something good in it. And it's pretty much gotten worse every time that I've watched it, except this time. Well, actually, I think we had a lot of fun watching it once at your apartment back in Richmond. Yeah, but, but, but that, was, that was pure fun. Yes. I mean, I, mean, I was... Uh, one of the things that I remember about about that evening, I remember laughing. Yeah. Uh, I remember you being stunned at how bad. I mean, I'd forgotten you, how bad. I hadn't seen it since '87, and I'd forgotten how I had forgotten how bad it was. Folks, we'll get into it in a second. But this was just the effects will blow your mind, but not for any reason that you want them to. Everything in in the execution just like fails. I, everything. It, it, um, Clark has even, Christopher Reeve, the actor who we've praised, has really lost that feel for the character he has. There's some moments where he's like really, the character of Clark is really struggling with what to do with the nuclear arms race. And, and Christopher Reeves is trying very valiantly to act in these scenes. Uh, he's trying to be serious and pensive. And I'm laughing really hard. I laugh out loud watching him do this. He does this thing where he puts his fist to his lips or he's really being thoughtful. And it's hilarious when he tries to do Bumbling Clark. It's not the same. He doesn't, it doesn't quite work. The only person who I can sort of say does a decent acting job in this film is Margot Kidder. I think, really? she, I think she's almost, I think she's okay as Lois, not in all the scenes, obviously, because there's some stinkers. She, she throws up a couple stinkers too, but, but a couple of scenes in the Daily Planet where she talks a little bit about Clark, she seems okay. She seems like she still at least understands the character. Whereas I, I don't think that, I, I didn't feel that Christopher Reeve still grasped the character that well. Well, um, yeah, actually with Margot Kidder, well, let me add some, uh, 
talk about some of the things that I noticed this time that actually I kind of liked or I thought were, were a good direction to go that I hadn't noticed before. Uh, they don't rescue the movie at all. They don't even rescue. They don't even rescue those scenes. But but I kind of like that now they have this that Lois and and Clark are almost like brother and sister. Yeah, and she definitely looks out for him and takes care of him, uh, which is kind of new. And I like that. Something else. Now they don't resolve it well, but actually you the, don't say. Yeah. Well, but the guy, the guy and his daughter, played by um, Marielle Hemingway. Yep. Yep. Or yeah, they come in, and there's kind of this like tabloid uh, um, uh, William Randolph Hearst Fox News kind of yeah kind of thing. So that actually, that actually seems a little more relevant now. Yeah. Yeah. Than it did in 1987, I actually kind of like that. I mean, in a, in a different film, that could have been pretty amazing. So what Jason's referring to is uh, at the Daily Planet, it's being subject to a corporate takeover by uh, two new characters in the film, uh, a media mogul and his daughter. Uh, his daughter's played by Mariel Hemingway. And I, her, her name in the film, I can't read my own handwriting here, everybody. Warfield is the, is the character's name. So... So the screenwriters have named, given these these wealthy people the last name of Warfield, and all I could think of was, why didn't you guys just say Warbucks? That's what you wanted to say. You wanted to say Daddy Warbucks, but you knew you'd get sued. But you couldn't even. This is one of the this is one of the problems that kind of plagued the script. This film is a cobble of everything that's happened before in the Superman movies. They reuse the same kind of stunts. They reuse. Uh, a couple of scenes of Superman flying several times in the film because they couldn't afford new animation. It, that was something that stood out to me as a kid, and it stands out to me every time. There'll be the scene where the, Superman will need to fly in and save the day, and they've got the scene where his fists are outstretched and he's flying, and it's the same scene over and over again in this film. They said they, they had money for one flyby scene of Superman, and they used it... <laughs> They, they must have been happy with it because they use it a lot. Um, but there's a lot of cobbling together of elements from that script, but also of ideas from other movies and other, other, other fiction. The, the, the name of the rich people, in this case, the Warfields, are the Warbucks. You know, I mean, that's, that's yeah. really got, it's a rich guy. It's a rich guy name. Bam, we'll put it in there. Um, it's slapdash. Maybe, is that the word we're looking for? This film is slapdash? yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll put in the definition of that later on, guys. <laughs> Sidebar. As promised, your slapdash definition. Done too hurriedly and carelessly. And now we return to the podcast. You said that Margot Kidder was, was pretty good. Well, I, mean, I don't... In this film... I well, I don't want to call out any actor in this film. Yeah. Because I actually think the dialogue awful oh it's terrible because and and i think that again you which you alluded to everybody's trying everybody everybody wants to make these scenes work everybody's kind of excited to be back trying to make a film maybe not gene hackman but i'm not sure if he's ever excited to be back doing anything no no uh, just just the paycheck right um that but, that is what i feel for he that's why he's back in this movie for the yeah paycheck. yeah well um so 
the scene between Clark and Lois when he decides that, which is another selfish thing that Superman does, by the way. Well, he does a few selfish things in this movie. Yeah, where he decides, um, I guess we're going to jump around a lot uh, in this one, right? Um, it so, seems like it's hard. It's yeah. hard not to. Yeah, uh, because the story just, just, just explain kind of the scene well before yeah, you jump yeah, into yeah. it. Yeah, so, so Clark has been asked, or Superman has been asked, to rid the world of nuclear weapons because because he can yeah and, and, and if you can why don't you yep. because we could all we could all blow up I think is what the kid says and oh, and, and that what? kid is a is a terrible actor Superman yeah yeah he's he's pretty bad Superman should have put him in that giant net with all the other nuclear missiles and dropped him into the sun kid's yeah, a terrible he, actor he, he's really terrible but Superman. Um, and then, of course, the tabloid headline: Superman tells kid the uh, like. Uh, <laughs> it's a great headline. Uh, buzz Superman. off or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Superman tells says to kid, "Drop dead," <laughs> and uh, which I kind of like that. So, see again the manipulative journalism. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that's actually an aspect of the film that has aged well. Yeah. And that's why I say that this is the first time that the film kind of went up in my estimation. Okay. Because, because anything that moved the needle <laughs> would, would be better. And I actually thought, well, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of neat. Yeah. So, so it actually, it brought me into the film more than I've, than I ever have been. Yeah. But so what ends up happening is Clark is struggling with the idea of what he should do. Lois comes to his apartment to check on her buddy. And, uh, um, she comes into his apartment, which is, uh, Incredibly overlit. I don't know if you noticed that. It is really yeah. bright. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and she uh, asks him what's wrong. He's got something on his mind, and he says, "Well, let's step out for a, a breath of fresh air." Yeah. And he just walks her off the side of the building. He turns into Superman because while she's falling, while while she's falling, right? And then uh, she. Oh, she remembers. He's still got the Clark Kent glasses on. Yeah. And so basically, after all the drama at the end of Superman 2, he discloses, again, his secret identity so that he can talk to her because he needs somebody to talk to. Yep, yep. And they they do another flying montage that is exactly like the one in the first film, only with slightly, slightly less effective effects. Yeah. Not slightly and, less effective effects. <laughs> and then, well, I'm trying to be kind. And, and then they return. And that scene specifically, the dialogue when she talks him, you know, you need to follow your instincts at the end of the day or so, whatever she says. And it's really awful. Like, it is. And there's nothing well thought about, about it at all. Uh, and and for, for some reason, it convinces Superman. It's everything that he needed to hear. Yeah, and then he then wipes he, her memory again. He does the memory kiss to her again. The scene reveals in that scene, for instance, it makes Superman look like a very needy, manipulative child who needs yes, some does. some parental figure to tell him what to do. And basically, that's or, or to give him the encouragement that he needs. But so that scene, I mean, he does the, he does the exact same thing. And it's another moment where I'm talking about where they have cobbled together past uh, beats of these films yeah. and not in a clever way, not in a callback way, not in a way that the fan that a fan would be particularly happy about. Because another thing that 
I have to say that it is going on. Uh, all films are scored. They have a right. musical uh, underpinning. Um, this film, I guess, has that here too, but the music is so much worse. Did you notice that? The musical, yeah. I mean, it's the same skeleton of the John Williams score, but there's some new stuff added that's not very good. And it all seems like it's... It's a very subdued arrangement. Yeah. Um, and it's a little faster sometimes than I think it yeah. needs to be. I, I, this, this might be the, the person who's doing the arrangement trying to be clever with the, the material. Um, um, Alexander Courage. I don't know anything about the guy. Do you know anything about... Didn't he do Star Trek, the show? Uh, primarily known for the Star Trek theme. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Star Trek music. The theme music for the original Star Trek, but he, he's he's not very good here, and it could come back to that slash dap, that 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 slapdash element that we were talking about, where everything is just done really fast and uh, without a lot of thought given to it. Could be that the the guy was trying out a new arrangement, but it's particularly uninspired. Um, I agree with that because they're just redoing scenes that they did in one Superman one. The, the flight montage and the, the memory kiss, why use a new arrangement? Um, right. It doesn't quite work. Uh, but I noticed that, I wouldn't have noticed this in 87, and I, I didn't notice it the night we were drunk and watching it. <laughs> but this is, I noticed it this time because, because of course I'm paying attention to it for this podcast, and the scoring is just really bad. And that's from the opening credits, uh, all the way to the end, and it, it gets really bad in the in the in the end credits. But I, I think I've stepped on your toes a little bit. So let's return to the memory <laughs> kiss, and you can take it from the memory kiss. No, and go. no. I, I well, I think really I said what I wanted to say about that is that is that that's the dialogue in that scene specifically stuck out to me as really bad. Yeah, and the dialogue actually throughout the movie is is really 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 bad. Oh, it, it is. I think even Gene Hackman does okay, but I think that he's also given really, really bad dialogue. And, he's, given, and, he's given bad dialogue, but on top of that, he's not even really trying to act like the old Luthor. He's saying the lines. He's trying to be a little funny, I guess. What it reminds me of is the read-through. Mm. It's, it's almost read-through energy. You and I have both done theater and stuff like that. Um, where you're you haven't quite memorized your lines, but you've got the script or you maybe you've just got them memorized. You're trying to figure out how you're going to say them. There's no, there's not as much energy at the read, the read through. Right. 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 And, and Hackman, Hackman really reminds me of that, that kind of, yeah. that low energy. Um, his insults don't have any emotion to them, you know, and, yeah. and up to this point when we've seen Hackman on screen, he's been biting and, and witty with his insults. These, A, they're badly written, and B, they have no emotional energy when he delivers yeah. them. Um, the, when we see Gene Hackman for the first time, he's in prison garb, and he's in a, he's in a rock yard breaking, making big rocks into small rocks. Um, and he gets broken out by his, his nephew, Lenny, uh, played by John Cryer, played, I put that in air quotes too. Um, uh, John Cryer just rides into this prison in this fancy car, with a fancy sound system. Uh, guys, if you see this movie, you tell me if you think it's a fancy sound system. But the, the deputies are really amazed by, by this car. And they're like, hey, why don't you get in it? And these guys get in it, and it's 
the slowest death trap. The slowest death trap in cinema history has sprung. <laughs> the doors, it's a convertible. So the doors shut and the windows roll up and the deputies are like, what's going on? And the sunroof slowly covers them over much faster than these guys, I guess, were able to, to get out of the car. And then uh, John Cryer's Lenny character has a remote control and he drives them off of the off of a off into the quarry into this cliff cliff into, into the rock quarry and i laughed really hard at this scene as the car goes flipping in to the uh rock quarry and does it does it explode i think it explodes it does but we don't see the explosion and that stuck out to me that okay they couldn't they couldn't afford an explosion so they cut it right as it goes into this very this very deep valley well i mean i thought it was it was a incredibly funny looking plummet to their death but then i ended up having to burn i i ended up laughing out loud my 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 son looked over at me i was watching this on my my kindle and uh because the deputies climb up over the cliff like they survived this and i just thought that was the, the dumbest thing ever and i loved it. i loved it um because they should have been murdered uh, by that and then, and then Gene Hackman escapes with his, his nephew, who he insults a little bit. Um, and John Cryer thinks he's mastered this character. Um, and all he ever, he, he seems to be trying to be like a, a, a skateboarder kind of character. And he's always like, dude, oh, dude, dude. And, and that seems to be the extent of his, of his acting, uh, of, of his acting in this character, of, of this character. So we, we met Lex, we, we, we see that there's some drama going on at the Daily Planet. We see that Clark is a baby because he needs to manipulate Lois. Uh, but the other, another, another place where we see this weird manipulative side of Clark is the double date. Yeah. Oh, the three's company scene. The three's company scene. Sidebar. Three's Company was a, a situational comedy that ran in the U.S. from 1977 to 1984. It was about the hijinks and misunderstandings that ensued among the roommates Janet Wood, Chrissy Snow, and Jack Tripper, and their obsessively nosy landlord, Mr. Roper. So into the sidebar. So Clark is is dating the daughter of the media mogul. Uh, the the younger Warfield, uh, she's being groomed to take over the Daily Planet. She's going to be the the editor in chief, the publisher, whatever. The film is unclear about how newspapers work, but she really likes Clark and Lois. This is another example of how Lois and Clark have changed in their in their relationship. She's like trying to help the Mario Hemingway character, Miss Warfield, interest Clark. She's like, you don't have to turn it on like this. Clark doesn't like this kind of over this showy woman, right? Clark and this woman seem to be hitting it off. But Clark is also dating, apparently, they're going to double date because Superman and Lois Lane have a date that night, right? right? So, I mean, if you're listening, audience, if you're with us this far, doesn't that not seem like a Superman kind of behavior? He's taking advantage of the fact that he's two different people and he's going to do it in front of both of them on a double date. Yeah. And can you tell us how he affects this double date? How does he, how does he work this miracle? Uh, exactly the way Jack Tripper would have done it. Sidebar. More Three's Company trivia here. Jack Tripper is the roommate that I mentioned earlier. He was a bit of a bumbling but somewhat successful ladies' man who 
often dated more than one person, and this lended itself to high situational comedy. Uh, and now we return to the podcast. Uh, so uh, he, he basically, he shows up as Clark Kent first, right. but he's going to stay and pay the taxi driver. Yeah, and so Miss Warfield is it Lacey? Is that her name? Lacey, that is it. That is it. And so she actually she comes up by herself because because uh, he's paying the, the cabbie. So then Superman comes in, and uh, Lacey leaves to go find out what's going on. Superman sits down with Lois. He uses his heat vision to basically finish the duck. So and Lois is cooking. That Lois is cooking for their interview. Yeah, and and so then she goes into the kitchen to get the duck, so then he can leave, become Clark again, meet with Lacey, then get caught by a bus boy or a, a bellboy. Bus, bellboy, yeah, bellboy. I made the same mistake that you made. Exactly, <laughs> you almost made uh, uh, in the, in the last podcast, and so that that kind of uh, he it fails to get into the elevator, so then they're separated again, and he comes back up as Superman, and this continues. Oh yeah. And no one, see, no one's having a good time. Nobody. Like, nobody's happy. It would have been better if, 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 he, if Superman had just told Lois, I can't make it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which he eventually does say, I got to go because he's got to go save something. I can't remember what happened. But, no, he, because an, a, an emergency really does happen. Yeah. Because, because Luthor apparently knows what apartment he's in because he, appear, he appears on the screen. Yeah. Looking right at him, and you know, don't worry, you know, no one can hear you. And of course, this is the same thing that, that happened in the first film. It's, it's the exactly same. the same thing. Yeah, uh, Luther does a, a subaudible message to Superman and uh, threatens to blow up the building or something like that. And Superman goes to meet with Luther. Luther, by this point, has created the nuclear man uh, yeah. with a uh, hair from Superman's that was a. Uh, this is, a, this is another thing about the film that's just, it's just not very well thought out. At the museum, there's a museum and it's got some Superman display going on. And at the museum, there's a hair of Superman's that's attached to a hook and then attached to a thousand pound weight. Yeah. And the hair is holding the thousand pound weight. This is how strong Superman's hair is. Luther needs a bit of genetic material from Superman so he can make a clone of Superman or some kind of genetic beast. He just walks up to the display and smashes the glass case in. And then with his bolt cutters, he just snips the hair like it's nothing. And after all of the to-do about how strong the hair was, he he has no trouble acquiring the hair. The bolt cutters would have broken. I, that's what I think, you know. I have some thoughts about Superman. Yeah. I think all I think all of us kind of kind of know how strong Superman is. Yeah. We all we all just kind of intuitively know what kinds of things would kill him. What yep. kinds of things would put him in danger and what kinds of things really can't happen. Yeah. And I could see Lex Luthor developing something that could cut the hair. Yes. But it would, it would not be a bolt cutter. It would not be store-bought on the yeah. way to the, to the museum. And so it's like, ah, that's just a, it's just something you guys could have taken a moment to address. They did that. Was, that was really lazy. You know, um, slap, slap dash. I'm going to keep coming back to that. But anyway, so he gets this hair and he, one of the missiles that Superman's thrown into the sun had that hair in it, I guess. And it's the last missile that he throws into the sun, right? Oh, well, well hold on. Back up. Because actually the hair has been um, 
cultured and grown. Okay. And now looks like a piece of raw chicken. So my so my kids and I kept referring to Nuclear Man as the big chicken. The big chicken. Yeah, <laughs> because I, I had never noticed that. And I was just like, wow, that's... Yeah, it's pretty terrible. And so Superman accidentally throws his genetic uh, clone into the sun. And somehow this chicken gristle uh, explodes <laughs> out the other side of the sun in a in a sequence of really terrible animation it's it's clearly drawn from blastocyst to man uh, uh where we see the development and for some reason during the last stage of of this baby's development he appears and he's got he's got a black cape on and he's got like uh kind of a gold suit and he's got like gym casual muscles and long silver fingernails like he's about to go play a, he's going to open for poison if you guys don't get that reference it's okay but then he, he, he flies to earth and he also gets his re reusable flight animation uh the nuclear man and for yes, some reason they don't ever really explain this he flies directly to lex luther's apartment why does he do that why would why would on a planet of of our size or any size really why would you fly directly to the place to 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 any particular place that's relevant to it you know to, well so I don't, I, didn't, I don't get that well i might have just come up with something okay. um he has luthor's voice did luthor mix his dna with superman's dna well that would fit that would fit. Yeah. Luther's broken all the laws of man. Now he's breaking the laws of nature, Jason. So um, anyway, so we get the nuclear man and uh, that's what's going to happen. So, so Luther lures him to uh, his apartment, introduces them to, introduces Superman to, Okay, Jason. Sorry, I, I, I said a line from the movie, and it's sort of devastated Jason for a second. Oh. Um. So, so we're getting the the same kind of reveal that we got in the in the first movie. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna kill a bunch of people. Superman comes to stop Luther, but it's really just a moment for Luther to gloat before he drops some kind of trap onto Superman. Though this time the trap isn't kryptonite; it's the nuclear man, which DC introduced briefly. DC Comics really? introduced this character briefly after the movie, before the movie came out and after. It's not, I don't think it's still a, a character that they use for the reasons <laughs> probably this movie caused them to quickly shelve the nuclear man. But the nuclear man is is so hilarious because he doesn't have any motivations. He's, Kill Superman. Jason just did nuclear man better than this actor does nuclear man he also roars a lot and he contorts his mouth in almost a sly stallone way and the whole time there is this uh, effect going on on nuclear man of, of yellow lightning oh i i should say his weakness which is kind of funny the nuclear man's weakness is uh shade yeah shade so like if he enters a dark room most of the time it should it should it, it shuts him down he gets really dark and the the gold lightning that kind of surrounds his body stops flashing there's a scene in the film where he's causing devastation to to get superman's attention uh where he drops into a volcano yeah there's no sunlight in the crater of a volcano you know yeah and yeah. so so I, I i thought the film <laughs> the world would have been better off if the film had stopped right when he dropped into the volcano but well yeah um well i um there is one thing we forgot to mention uh in talking about the the lazy production design of this film. Uh, uh, before before the nuclear man is created, Lex quite easily gets the 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 
nuclear the the DNA uh, onto a nuclear missile, which he knows Superman will then throw into the sun. Yep. Now, the greatest criminal mind of our time yes, would, yes. would have found a way to put the DNA in the missile where yep. no one would notice it. It because it because he, he had it in a in a box, like a big white lock box. Yeah, yeah. The lock box is simply attached to the side of the missile. Yep, yep. And my son pointed out quite correctly, well, Superman has X-ray vision. Yep. He's gonna wonder what that box is, and he's gonna look in it. And he's going to see what's going on, and he's going to get he's going to get wise to this. Yeah, which which of course he doesn't. So, if it's what you say it is, though, he might have said, "Oh my God, somebody left their their chicken luncheon <laughs> on the on the missile." <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. Well, but, I, mean, uh, I guess I guess that's what happened. But then, but then the the fight with the nuclear man takes place, and uh, it's not really it's a rather long fight. It is a long that. fight. And it is a, there's nothing good about it. It's very funny to watch. It is. It, it, it's hilarious to watch. I mean, you almost have to admire them that despite having no money and no ability to make these effects, they were like, God damn it, we're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to make every shot of this. And, and I mean, uh, I, I think it goes back to what you're saying. They're really trying, but like, there are some things that happen in the film that, that can't help but to throw the viewer out of it. Like there's a, a scene where Nuclear Man rips up the Statue of Liberty and he, he flies this, I don't know how much the Statue of Liberty weighs. Sidebar. Well, I looked it up. It's 156 tons. So ended the sidebar. Yeah, yeah. And he's lugging it across Metropolis by a single finger. Yeah, and I have yeah. to think that, okay, Easily these characters could lift the weights involved, but right. the finger of, I don't think that the finger of the Statue of Liberty or whatever the equivalent is in Mar Metropolis could hold up all that weight. I think the finger would have broken and it would have fallen right in the bay before before the nuclear man got there. So so that's funny to me. And then watching the, the terrible blue screen effect of the Statue of Liberty moving across the skyline of Metropolis uh, as he's about to drop it, uh, as nuclear man is about to drop it on the citizens is quite funny. And then when he drops it, everything falls <coughs> at a slower rate than it should. Anyway, so he drops the statue and, and, and Superman has to go catch it. I'll come back to that in a minute. There's another thing that nuclear man destroys and that is the the, the Great Wall of China. Interestingly, oh. there are no Chinese people on that wall, I noticed. The thing that they blow up is clearly a, a small model, right? Yeah. And, and I, I admire their model work. I mean, it's not a bad model. It, it's not yeah. big enough to hold up under the, the, the camera, but Clark fixes it with brick eyes. So Clark stares at these bricks that have been knocked out of the, <coughs> out of the Great Wall and kind of scans his head left to right and the bricks just reform on the wall. Like he has like, like, so he's got, so now he's got laser vision, x-ray vision and brick eye vision, you know, masonry vision, horrendous. But let's return for a second to him taking the Statue of Liberty back. Nuclear man pulls up beside him while they're flying and he raises his silver nails up like he's about to give Clark the finger. Like they're in traffic, you know? I thought, is he gonna give him the finger? I was really excited, but he's like, and then his, his Lee press-on nails extend a little bit, and he scratches Clark. 
<laughs> he scratches Clark on the neck, and Christopher Reeve does this thing where it's like he just got stung by a bee or something. He waves his hand around, and it, the scratch leaves these really glowing red, these glowing red scratches in his neck. But he gets the Statue of Liberty back, and he falls to to the ground, and Nuclear Man whoops him a couple, he kicks him a couple times, and the the scratches make him sick. Got the flu, yeah. He's got the flu. He's got the flu that ages him. Right? <laughs> he's supposed to be kind of sick, but later on when he's going to pull out the, the, his, his other deus ex machina crystal, the, the, the Kryptonians just leave laying around everywhere. He grabs the crystal because he's really sick. At this point, though, it doesn't even look like the flu. It looks like he's got, like he's aging. Like he's got like white hair. He's got a bald spot. He picks up the crystal and his mom gives him the speech. You can never do this again. You know, after this, you'll be truly alone. I wouldn't really given anything for Clark to say, yeah, right, mom. You know? <laughs> But so we don't see what happens there. We just know that the crystal did its work and he comes back to fight the nuclear man. Take it away. Well, I mean, you know, the way you described that, it's exactly like in Superman 2. Yeah. Which, by the way, earlier in the film, we forgot to mention this, he does go to the Fortress of Solitude. Does he? I, yeah, he goes I, to the Fortress I, of Solitude. based on that, yeah. And has a debate with the Kryptonian council oh, as to whether or right. not. Yeah. When he's thinking uh, about the nuclear missiles. That's yeah, a pretty yeah. funny scene, too. Yeah, but this movie's full of them. Now, in the Donner cut of <laughs> Superman 2, he, yeah. destroy, he destroys the Fortress of Solitude. Okay. Now, here it is. It's back. It's uh, hard to keep a good crystal down, Jason. Well, for some reason, Nuclear Man wants Lacey Warfield. Now, well, do you remember? He sees a picture of her, I think, in, in yeah. one of the places he's been. In Well, I think he's in the Daily Planet. Okay. Or... Is he at Lex's? I think the the picture's at Lex's because the Superman, after he beats Superman, this is a funny scene, the Superman cape ends up getting stuck on the uh, Statue of Liberty. And Lacey gets it. Daddy Warfield has bought the the cape from somebody and they're going to publish the Superman is dead headline or whatever it is they're going to publish. Lacey's like, where'd you get this? And he's like, I bought it off a kid, says Daddy Warfield. This is going to be, we're going to display this. It's going to be great. We're going to sell so many papers. And Lois comes in and sees She's upset about the headline and she sees the cape and she's like, she says, I'm like, you don't deserve to have this. This isn't yours. And, yeah. uh, and I almost said, well, he didn't just buy it. <laughs> I think it is his right for now, at least until <laughs> Superman comes back and claims it. Anyway, so, so but somehow the nuclear man sees a picture of Lacey Warfield and, and, he, and, and he must have her. He must have her. And somehow Superman knows this because Superman's waiting for him when he comes to get Lacey. And he knows that that's what he's looking for. And why is that? I don't remember. Or I know the answer. The answer, there is no answer. No, yes. the, film never, the film never tells us that. No, that's, no. That's what I um, Maybe, oh, here's an idea. Because they share the genetic material, it's right. possible that Superman in his Kryptonian studies has also studied the Bene Gesserit uh, genetic memory techniques. And so he knows what clear man knows. I mean, and that's why he's one step ahead of him for the rest. Exactly. Of the movie. There's another scene in that movie. Not only does Superman have masonry powers when nuclear man comes and is wreaking havoc. I mean, out in front of the daily planet, he does some weird levitation things with people where he lifts reverse, up reverse levitation, reverse levitation. Where he, where he sends some people up in the air and uh, nuclear man does. And they're all spinning around and they're upset. And Clark looks at them and uh, and, and applies his gravity rays, I guess. Uh, he, he's Now he's got gravity eyes because he doesn't do anything. He doesn't cross the street. 
He doesn't distract Nuclear Man. He looks at them meaningfully and then puts them back on the ground with his eyes. He's like borrowed the stare of Richard Gere and lowered them back to the ground. I mean, and it puts these people back on the ground. And then Clark trots out a, a, a tried and true thing when uh, <laughs> Nuclear Man comes up and is like, I want the girl, or whatever he's, whatever the fuck he says. First he says, Rawr! and he does that <laughs> a lot in the movie, guys. He does that so much. But he wants to go out with Lacey Warfield. Clark stops the fighting. He's like, okay, I'll take you to her. I'll take you to her. And he's, he's deploying the same trap he used in Superman 2, taking people back to the Fortress of Solitude. But instead, he takes them to takes them up into the top floor of the Daily Planet, I think, or somewhere. I don't know where they fight. Yeah. I can't remember where they fight. It's, it's, it's a senseless scene, but where it, where it does make sense, it's just taking stuff that we've already seen and doing it much less effectively. He traps them in the elevator. And, That's right. yeah. She's in here. And, and <laughs> she says, she's in here. And, and uh, uh, Nuclear Man goes up to the front of the elevator and like Clark does this. Superman does like the least tough guy looking thing and he just pushes the guy into the elevator, <laughs> shuts the elevator door and immediately, I mean, that's it because it's a dark room and it's kind of a funny scene when when Nuclear Man just kind of fritzes out and collapses. I, I love it every time Nuclear Man shuts down. It's really funny to me. Clark uh, flies up to the top of the building, uh, rips up the, rips the elevator cord out of the wall and then flies... Uh, which, which that looks okay by that the actually way. does the scene where he's ripping out the elevator cord was a strangely effective effect and then he takes the uh, nothing that follows will be strangely effective he takes the elevator to the moon and instead of doing what I think he should have done which was set it down a little gently you know to make sure that it didn't jostle or anything like that. He just drops it from quite a height and it hits the ground and he just kind of walks off he doesn't do anything else with the elevator he doesn't like bury it he doesn't heat vision the door shut. He just drops it. And then he goes for a walk. Yeah, which yeah. I would do that too if I was on the moon. He does have a nice little Superman moment where he goes and adjusts the American flag on the moon. I think that that is something that Superman might do. So there's this rumor that the Neil Armstrong flag has, has fallen and it is now laying on the moon as we speak. Um, the violation so, of the flag protocol. Right, right. So... So during the scene, um, I started uh, I started telling my kids about that. That like, well, you know, I think that flag because because my son asked, well, is it still there? Like, yeah, you know, I think some people think that it has fallen, but we've never really been back to see. Yeah. And then it was right at that moment that Nuclear Man attacks Superman, knocks the flag over, yeah. and my son said, "Well, that's why it fell down. <laughs> Superman knocked it down." Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I thought that that would have been a nice Superman moment. It would have been a nice touch in a better film, but, but then Superman gets attacked by Nuclear Man because the, there was a little sliver opening in the elevator doors and it, it, turns, it turns Nuclear Man back on. I read today that a stuntman was like permanently injured uh, really? in, in the wire work here. And there was a lawsuit. I didn't read anything about the lawsuit, but, um, but anyway, the, the fight on the moon is terrible. Uh, yeah. it's, it's very funny. Uh, but that's not what they're going for here. It's <laughs> funny in part because like Nuclear Man wants to scratch Clark and Clark is trying to stop these these clawing hands, these Lee press on nails. Right. And that's not very effective action filmmaking, stopping somebody from scratching you, right? At least not the way they did it. <laughs> so how long does the fight on the moon last? Um, oh God. How long, how long does this, the fight scene last on the moon? Too long. Yeah, too long, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's, it's too long. And, and then, 
And then Lacey brought back into the picture. Oh yeah, yeah. She has superpowers. We discover. Yeah. Um. So so Nuclear Man has won the fight. He returns to Metropolis and he gets Lacey Warfield, and he decides to go on a flight with her. Nuclear Man takes Lacey, a normal human, we thought. Right. I think almost to the moon, and she survives this, right? Because there's a scene where where Clark. Uh, he saves her in space, right? She's by herself for a second. She looks uh, back to Earth. And it's, that is thousands of kilometers away, hundreds of thousands of kilometers away. And I'm just like... There's nothing about this film that really is for, is forgivable. But this is... But this, but, but this is the worst. It is the worst. This is the worst. Because I remember at the time in the theater thinking, no, like, yeah, yeah. no one, no one, no matter what their knowledge of of astronomy or astrophysics or whatever, no one, no human being who speaks a language or has been educated to any degree can watch that scene and and buy into it. Nobody. No, no. And and I remember as a kid just thinking, well, I can go with a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, But but this is just, this is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it's it's awful. Well, why didn't anybody on the set Anybody, you know, the, you know, the kid that brings the director coffee, say, "Well, this can't happen." Yeah, shouldn't shouldn't we rethink this scene? And that is that that is the most baffling thing. That scene is the most baffling thing. For me. It would have saved them money for other effect shots. If somebody would have said, "Hey, she can't live in space," you know, she she can't even live in the upper atmosphere without like a a mask on. And just that that kind of care wasn't given to the logistics of a scene. I mean, that, that that's the story of this movie, I think in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's like they took no time to do anything right. It, yeah. Maybe fast, n- never right. They never did right. anything right. And, but you're right, this is, the, this is the worst of that. But for some reason, she doesn't explode or freeze to death or any of the things that would happen to her. Her blood doesn't boil immediately. And Superman takes her back to Earth, right? I mean, that's, that's where they were heading. Yeah. And, 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 then, and then we have our Frank Capra ending. Well, well, no, actually, the film ends with Luthor going back to prison. Yeah. We go back to the Daily Planet first yeah. for our Frank Capra ending because oh right the, right right because yeah Perry White has has purchased the Daily Planet and Warfield is now a minority stock owner so he doesn't have any say in the in the right. in the company anymore. It's very rare to point out something that this movie does that is clever. Yeah, but uh, in, in that scene they have a sample headline from the past that says Superman saves saves country from chemical fire, which okay. is a callback, a callback to Superman 3, which if is odd. They, that if, they, if only they had, the filmmakers had taken that kind of care with any other scene in the film, you know? Right. But yeah, that, that, that scene where Perry White gets the Daily Planet back, it's a terrible scene. It's not well acted because the dialogue isn't very good. Margot Kidder's not good in that scene. Way to go, right. Perry. Uh, Christopher Reeves is in that scene, isn't he? I think he is. He shows up as... He shows up, um, or is he not there yet? He's not there yet, because I think he shows up in the next scene when they're going to do an interview of Superman. Yes, and it's the last, and it's the last time he, Lois, and Jimmy are on camera together, and he he forgot his pad. I still see Christopher Reeves struggling to find his Clark. I, I don't think that he has the character anymore. In '78 and '79 and '80, yes, he had. He didn't have to probably be directed very much, but he's lost touch with that that character. I think. Well, you know, I wonder. He uh, at the time he famously well because he was typecast. I oh mean, yeah, Super- I'm sure. 
Superman made him, and it pretty much it prevented him from having a, a career beyond it. Yeah, and he he and he did not like that. Yeah, I think he only came back to do this film because he was he had a story idea that he was passionate about. Yeah, uh, he lost faith in this movie very quickly, though. I'm sure. I, I know uh, John Cryer has talked about the film, which is odd that he would want to call attention to the fact that he did this, but. But that John Cryer said that Christopher Reeve had taken him aside early on in the making of it, and Reeve had said, oh, God, it's going to be terrible. Like, Reeve could already see yeah. where things were going. And, um, and, and and he wrote about it later. Like, he said that uh, he gave an example of the, the UN scene. Yeah. He said, now, if, um, if Dick Donner had done that scene, we would have had, you know, thousands of extras and it yeah, would have yeah. been, it, it would have been a location shot. And, and he said, but, but what it, what it ended up being was me, you know, walking towards a, uh, think of a mat drawing, but you know, or a model or, yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, and, and, um, he just felt like he knew from very early on that there was, that there was going to be no money that was going to be put into this and it was going to be really bad. And, and I think that, I think that hurt him because he had this idea oh, I'm that, sure. he, that he was excited about and it, and it just, it went nowhere. Well, it's too, like I said, it's too bad because it was a great idea. Um, and I think that he should have given that, it would have been nice to have seen them take that idea and say, Hey, given it to a, a good script writer and said, Hey, let's, let's try and get this franchise back on track with a, with a, with a much more interesting idea. Cause I don't think any of the individual ideas in the film are bad ideas the yeah. Superman clone is a fine idea. They could have done a bizarro type thing with that if they'd wanted to. I don't know yeah. why they didn't do that. In, in well, I think the big culprit for this film and I, and I, and I didn't used to think this. I mean, I always knew that the budget was, was minuscule, but I just thought that everything else was just really bad. But actually I think there came a point where um, the money was just draining away so fast that it was kind of like, well, we, we have to wrap this up. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, we don't have a lot of time to, you know, figure out the logistics of how we're going to do this scene or that scene. Yeah. We're just going to have to like throw something together and it's just going to have to, it's just going to have to do because we've got to get this, we've got to get this wrapped up. I, I do see the skeleton of some ideas yeah. like you uh, to try to, to, to really make a good film. Well, let me put it this way, because, uh, you know, we're not reviewing Supergirl, but I did watch it. Yeah. Um, Supergirl is more of a mess than this movie. Oh, I, I, I uh, vaguely remember that. I'll probably watch yeah. it tonight, maybe. It's on, it's, it's on Netflix. It's by, it's by far the, 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 the poorest acted of the five Donner movies. No, oh, no. By far. And so it was a very interesting experience watching it and then watching Superman 4, pretty almost back to back. Okay. Um, Superman four was a lot more coherent. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, even though Supergirl is is more ambitious, has better effects. Yeah. Uh, but 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 they don't hold up well, and in some places worse. Um, just because what they try to do is just is just so ambitious, and they they just don't know how to do it. Yeah. Uh, but it has similar problems. Yeah, Superman 4 is, is, you know, they got the gang back together. They wanted to recreate the magic, but they're just, the budget was cut. And I think that we'll never know if they could have done it. I do think that it would have been a, a still would have been a fairly campy film yeah. with some ser serious beats to it. But but that's one of the things that I actually noticed this time in watching it. Again, I, I did enjoy it more than I ever have, not just for laughing at it. I mean, I always enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but 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 it's actually some of the story elements made me pause and think well you know that was a good idea you know and and, and yeah. i i didn't expect that because um it used to be i didn't like the story the, the nuclear story i thought it yeah. was i thought it was kind of an eye roll actually at the time yeah yeah but looking at it now, Superman 4, a lot of the things that it tries to do are very much in keeping with certain versions of the Superman character. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it really, it was not, it, you said it was a great idea, and you're absolutely right. There was nothing inappropriate about it. It, it could have it worked. Yeah. It could have been something that was, that, was, that, that was done well. But everything is done so poorly that there's just, it, it's hard to see. How it could have happened. And now, the verdict. The verdict for Superman 3 uh, is a film that we would not recommend. Uh, although it will be one that I'll, I personally would probably watch again because I, there are several scenes that I like. We were a little divided on that. But overall, I, the film is a failure. Superman 4 still might be the champion of the uh, as the worst film of all time it certainly is in the running but i think we're both in agreement that uh or at least i think that the uh it definitely succeeds in the so bad it's good uh category i definitely will be watching this again yeah i need a good laugh i i think i'm in agreement with you on on both of those things i i don't know if i'll revisit superman 3 again anytime soon nope, maybe in, in 10 years i'll have forgotten what i disliked about it but i I'll have this podcast to listen to, so maybe I won't. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just not very effective. I had a lot of trouble with it. Superman 4, on the other hand, not only does it have some great ideas in it that are terribly executed, it is, it is a joy to watch for some reason. I, 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 I would easily recommend somebody watch Superman 4. Um, I had a blast watching it this time. Um, and I, I think I've had a blast ever since ever since we, we started talking about it. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it or little bits of it. But this was the most fun I've had watching a bad movie in a long time. I mean, I feel somewhat bad about laughing at what has to be a, a terrible memory for a lot of actors and crew and cast and directors, but I think people should watch this movie. And yeah. I think I think that they should recognize the good ideas and just to kind of see what happens when everything goes wrong and people still press on and, and finish a project, you know? <laughs> well, I guess that's the verdict. Yeah. All right, gang, that is it for Max and Jason Watch a Movie, episode seven where we discussed the great Superman 3 and 4. Um, join us next week when we'll cover Akira Kurosawa's The Hidden Fortress. And uh, that's all I got, guys. Uh, music is by me, and uh, we're enjoying doing this. We hope you enjoy doing this with us. Uh, leave us a five-star review. Uh, recommend us to all your friends. Post us on all the things. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. If you're going to watch a bad movie, watch Superman 4. That's where I'm at. I do, but I do think though that Sidney J. Fury had a, a, a made a more uh, genuine attempt to make a comic book film than Richard Lester did. Oh God, it's going to be terrible. I'll try to rehearse it for you quickly and from memory. And 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 there are a lot of effects shots in this movie. A lot. Yeah. And they all look really, really, really bad. Rawr!